0: This podcast movement 2022 audio session is brought to you by supporting cast the best way to sell and deliver exclusive podcasts and special thanks to PM 22 virtual ticket presenting sponsor, Amazon music. I know you guys could be anywhere in the world right now and you've chosen to be here with me. Uh, so thank you. Um, here to talk about podcast discovery, which if you're a podcaster, probably something you spend a lot of nights losing sleep over, uh, who here has a podcast, just so I get a feel for the room? Okay. Who here is supporting clients that have podcasts? Okay, there's a lot of overlap there. Got some some multi-hyphenates. Awesome. Well, thanks for being here. Um, my name is Jay. My full-time business, I'm a full-time creator. It's called Creator Science, and it's breaking down the controllable aspects of being a full-time creator. It's kind of meta in that way, but it's very... Uh, data-backed. I do a lot of storytelling and case studies and breaking down things that are working uh, largely based on my podcast, which is called Creative Elements, where I interview really high-profile creators about how they made a living with their art and creativity. People like Seth Godin and James Clear, Tim Urban, Cody Sanchez, Jordan Harbinger's been making the rounds here. He's been on the show. Uh, And I talk to them about how they got to where they are as opposed to like, hey, teach me how to form better habits. It's like, how did you become a full-time creator? So I'm studying today's top creators, sharing what I learned. At the same time, I'm a creator, trying to grow my stuff just as much. My show, Creative Elements, I was just telling you about, has been featured in Stitcher and Pocket Cast. This is the pre- uh, previous artwork, a little too sciencey, a little too on the nose, so we changed it. Uh, Castro, uh, it's been featured on Apple Podcasts now, and it's done over a million downloads. It's been really successful. It's helped my business grow quite a bit but nothing ever feels done or good enough. The goalposts are always moving, and I always want to grow the show, I'm sure, like many of you guys. So, show over a million downloads. Uh, We've generated more than $100,000 in sponsorship revenue. I've conducted 114 interviews now, and it's been featured in these different players. It's given me the opportunity to talk to amazing, amazing, amazing creators. I feel so good about the product, but again, like many of you, the question was, How do I get that product in front of more people? Because we're obviously putting a ton of work into it. We do custom artwork for every episode. That's illustrated. It's the best thing I've ever made. Uh, And as you know, podcast discovery is very not good. This makes me very unhappy. (laughs) I'm a data nerd. As you can probably tell from the name of the company, Creator Science, and the things that I'm describing to you, Uh, and podcast data is just not very good. It's this big question mark. I know that there must be some sort of podcast funnel that gets people to my show. What the heck is that? Why, Why is it so hard? Why is there no transparency and visibility into how to actually get people into the top of this podcast funnel and listen to the show? So here are a few reasons why it's hard, if you haven't spent as much time thinking about this as I have. Sharing is broken. Social sharing of a podcast is very difficult. What link do I share? The show, like the entire show link? The episode link? Which player? How do I do that? Sharing is very broken. And um, matching of you know, what the preferred listening app for your audience or your friends, it's just impossible. Not to mention there's no really good share image that pops up when you do that. Search is limited. There's very little organic searching that happens for podcasts. Maybe they're searching for more episodes with this guest. Maybe they're searching for something in this genre, but not really. Like, it's not even close to search engines like Google and YouTube. And discovery is pretty inaccessible. You know, there is some discovery in podcasting, usually in the discover pages of a podcast player, Uh, but it's usually gate-kept, and probably for a good reason, but most apps have an editorial team that choose what shows get featured and surfaced to new listeners. It's hard uh, to know how to access that. It's kind of obfuscated, and if there are paid opportunities in that realm, the prices are usually pretty high. So how do we do it? What do we do to grow our shows? This is the question I just obsess over constantly as an indie podcaster. There's some things that we know works, guesting on other shows, cross promos or guest swaps with other shows, being featured in these listening apps like I was telling you, getting shout outs from influencers works, maybe they're your guests, slowly funneling listeners from other channels into your show. I mean the key is, yeah, you got to catch them all. You got to do all of these things. We want to do all of these things, but today I'm going to focus on this cuz this is what I got really obsessed about and wanted to do really really well. How do I use other channels, and I'm using the word channels pretty flexibly, uh, to get people into my podcast funnel. So today, I'm trying to give you a very tactical and practical look at how do you create your own discovery engine for your podcast every day, introducing your show to new potential listeners. Here's the big idea. This is what I would say, think about this while you're thinking about whatever tactic you want to pick up. Here's the big idea. You are more discoverable than your podcast. Podcast discovery is very, very difficult. J discovery is a lot easier. In fact, sometimes it's hard to escape me once I start existing in your world. You are more discoverable than your podcast. So I think about my podcast funnel, and I put a funnel on top of it I call the J funnel. How do people discover me, and then how do I transfer them into the podcast world? If people discover you, they can discover your podcast. So here's how I started thinking about the the J funnel. On the left here, you have these platforms that are non, uh, not super searchable, uh, but they're owned platforms. Email, communities, podcasts, RSS feeds, other people's podcasts, and on the right, you have these more social uh, discoverable platforms like Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, TikTok. Uh, I looked at social first, and specifically, I thought if I can get more social followers to follow me, Jay, I can probably move them into my email ecosystem. And if I can move them into my email ecosystem, I might be able to move them towards podcasting. And so to experiment with this, I said, let's look at Twitter. Twitter is where I am most successful. Let me take a look at that. And by the way, you're, ha- you're welcome to take as many notes as you want, but I'll have a link where you can just get the, the slides downloaded at the end of this talk. So you may have seen that, and you may be thinking right now, why put email between you and your podcasts? Why not funnel discovery of you directly towards the podcast? Why put email in the middle of it? I tried that. (laughs) That was the first assumption. That was the first thing that I tried to do. Uh, On all of my social profiles, I said, well, if I just synonymize myself with my show so that someone says, who's Jay? And they say he's the host of Creative Elements, that would work, I bet. So on all of my bios, that's what I led with. I said host of Creative Elements, and that was... You know, what I thought would work. A lot of people may have seen my name in the name of the podcast, but it was a little bit like this, I think. Uh, they, they saw that I was the host of this show, but it didn't quite get them to subscribe or listen to the show. I think it's because the friction was just too high. I just saw this guy's name. Maybe I saw the name of the show. Now I'm going to give an, an hour to listen to his stupid podcast, says someone who doesn't know me from somebody else. and I get that. I've done that too. So I began thinking, should I convince a stranger on social media to listen to my podcast, or should I try to convince a stranger on social media to just give me their email? Because I think that's gonna be lower friction and easier for me to do. So if you get an email address, the nice thing is, as a pretty well-rounded, full-stack creator, I can win them over over time to listen to podcasts, and all the while, there's other ways I can help them. They could be reading my newsletter, they could be purchasing a workshop or a course, They can be valuable in a lot of different ways to me. And again, over time, maybe I wear them down. Maybe they say, oh, this is a guest I might want to listen to. I'm going to go ahead and and click play for the very first time. So the experiment became, can I reliably increase downloads on Apple Podcasts and or Spotify without getting featured on those apps because that is difficult to do? So I looked at this, and again, I started with Twitter. This is uh, my social blade graph of followers on Twitter. And as you can see around July of, 21, uh, July of 2021, Ju- yeah, th- June, July, this is when I began taking this pretty seriously. And so uh, you see a jump, you see a steady climb in followers because I'm saying the game is Twitter, Twitter goes to email, email goes to podcast. Um, along that same time, July of 21 to today, email subscribers rose. Neat. Uh, Along that same time, July of 21 to today, Apple subscribers rose. Apple listens rose. Pretty neat. Uh, Spotify did as well. I forget if I put a slide in here. It's just my Spotify downloads are so much smaller than Apple at this point, the graph kind of goes nutso. And if you're wondering, as I would be, what's going on with Stitcher over there? Uh, Stitcher featured us at the beginning of the launch of the show, so we got a great spike. People in the Discover section said, I'll check that out. And slowly over time, a lot of them opted out. Uh, I did do Spotify. So you can see the same time frame, Spotify, we've had the same sort of rise. This is working. Uh, and this is where I'm putting all of my effort right now as an indie podcaster, both effort, time, and energy, but even resources. Um, the machine to me is, email goes to podcast, so I, I want to make it really easy and compelling to subscribe to my emails. And so, I have completely shifted my strategy to how do I get more email subscribers, and that's gonna grow the show. So, the website is very email-first. Uh, it's, it's the only action you can really take here is to subscribe um, to my newsletter. Same with this dedicated subscribe page. Now that I have a really good front door, I've just been opening a bunch of side doors. You know, where else are people entering my world that they can flow through and subscribe to email? So, a dedicated subscribe page, sure. I have a personal website, right in front of the personal website. Subscribe, it's the first thing you see. Uh, I have a dedicated subscribe page on the personal website. Also on the personal website, this is a full page screen grab of it. You'll see that if you scroll past the subscribe, the biggest block you're gonna see is this section dedicated to the show. So if you're here and you, you land there and you say, I'm not gonna give you my email yet and I'm gonna keep scrolling and learn more about you, you're gonna get exposed to the idea of the show. We'll zoom in here. So we have the, the podcast description, we have the artwork, we have an embed. Um, I had some, some advice from the network I'm a part of early on that if I'm gonna embed a player on different pages somewhere, Spotify's a good embed because of the big follow button right there, and if they're logged into Spotify, they can click follow, and it's gonna start going into their, their listening app, and I like that. I mean, any, any embed will probably have like subscribe text, and you click that, and then you pick a player, but that's two clicks. That's one click, uh, and it looks really nice. So I generally go with Spotify, and then you can see below that a bunch of social proof of who are some of the guests that Jay's had on the show that would make me want to listen to this. Seth Godin, James Clear, Tim Urban, Matt D'Avella, Produced uh, Minimalism, the documentary, Vanessa Van Edwards, uh, The Budget Nista, Pat Flynn, David Perel, Jordan Harbinger, Austin Cleon, Roberto Blake, and Ash Amberger. People that I'm so excited to talk about uh, and talk to, and I want people to know that I'm taking this seriously, and maybe one of those people draws you in to click play for the first time. Because the game is really can I get somebody to click play on one episode the first time? That is so hard to get people to do and you really have to win them over in some way. And then you have to deliver, because if they click play on something, and it doesn't grab them, it doesn't keep them, it's probably less likely they'll give it a second chance than they'll give it a first chance. So Twitter was beginning to work, and I said, let me expand, let me expand out. Let me start pushing these other platforms too. Can I use the same strategy with Instagram, with YouTube, with TikTok, to start getting people over to email? And that's a lot newer, but um, there are some more ways that I've started tactically doing this. This is my Twitter profile. Um, a lot of people don't know that Twitter bought a newsletter tool called Review, R E V U E, probably a year ago, a year and a half, two years ago. And what Review allows you to do is put a subscribe button right on your page. Uh, I'm already subscribed to myself because I'm an egotistical megalomaniac. But otherwise, it would have a blue button here that says subscribe, as opposed to start reading. And it's a one-click subscribe, because Twitter knows your email address, because you made it. You gave it to them when you made an account. So this is very low friction. This has become one of my highest sources of new subscribers, because if I'm putting this effort into Twitter, people go to my profile. I show them uh, that I have a newsletter. They can one-click subscribe. It's very nice. And if you're wondering, does that mean I have to write through review? Not technically, Uh, I write through ConvertKit. And so this automation, or this this integration, actually I connect through Zapier, put them right into ConvertKit as soon as they subscribe, so it's no different than someone subscribing through any of those other means. And then just above that, you'll see that I have the newsletter link right there. So I'm trying to lower the friction and make it more likely that someone's going to subscribe via email. Same thing with LinkedIn. This is a very, very new feature. And I don't think it's 100% rolled out to users, but it's getting close. So if you go to that uh, pencil right here and edit your profile, there is a new link uh, that lets you put in one URL, which you see boxed here. Um, I'm surprised that they put this in there, to be honest, because most social media platforms are generally discouraging you to send people off platform. It seems like, at this point, LinkedIn wouldn't make that decision, but they have, and who knows how long it will be here. Uh, One thing I have tested, and don't have perfect data because there isn't analytics on LinkedIn on this side, but anecdotally, it seems that putting an actual URL there versus saying subscribe to my newsletter has been more effective. I don't know why, maybe it's just more obvious when they see a URL that they're going to a website and they're interested in that, but it seemed to be more effective for me so far. But that's not all on LinkedIn. Below that, there are other ways to take advantage of LinkedIn's profile features to drive people there. Uh, In the featured section, I try to have no more than two links, because if you get more than two links, it starts to make these previews really tiny, and they don't show the share image quite as well. So here I have, uh, again, my newsletter, and right next to that, the podcast, if people want to go down that route. Uh, Even further down the page in the experience, I like to put one link inside of the experience section because that gives you a nice big share image, gives you a nice long headline, nice good description. Again, just trying to lower the barrier on this profile. And I see this funnel working because I will post, uh, it gets exposed to new people, LinkedIn is really good right now for organic reach beyond your uh, first degree connections. And so I will see somebody engage with my post for the first time, I'll notice that they're a second or third degree connection, and then I'll see a notification that Uh, A new email subscriber has come in and their email address is clearly related to the name of that person. So, I know that this is working. Now I'm doing it on uh, Instagram as well to say I'm going to use one link instead of pushing people to a link in bio tool where I hope they make multiple clicks. I'm just going to invest whatever attention flows through here into this one action I want them to take, which is subscribing via email. I put it at the top of the descriptions in my YouTube. Uh, We've been on YouTube as a podcast now for about six weeks, and uh, I want to, above the fold, have the ability for somebody to click over to the newsletter and subscribe, and the limitation there is three lines. Now, I will say, something I am collecting data on right now is does having links in the first three lines of your description versus having an actual description in the first three lines of your description impact searchability and discoverability of YouTube's discoverability tools. And that's likely, very possible, but I haven't determined that yet. I even do paid acquisition now, because email acquisition is much cheaper than podcast acquisition. So if I know I can reliably pay 50 cents or even a dollar per email subscriber, but I have to pay three, five, six dollars per podcast subscriber, I would rather pay for six six times as many subscribers in email because I know they're gonna be more valuable to me in different ways and over a long-term period, and a lot of them will end up being podcast listeners. Dense Discovery is uh, one outlet that I've done paid acquisition in that's performed really well, one of the best, Uh, densediscovery.com. They have a link, probably in the footer, I think, about advertising, and he will once a month or once every two months send an email to whoever's put their name on the waitlist and say, hey, new advertising slots available. They are incredibly reasonably priced. Um, in my experience, the actual sponsorship slots do better than the classified slots. Um, yeah, so it's worth checking out if you're looking into paid acquisition. But I have actually tried to do paid acquisition in dense discovery directly to the podcast. It was immeasurable and I couldn't see anything in the podcast analytics that would lead me to believe that it was successful. So you may be saying, okay, but what happens after subscribing? You're getting people to email. How do you actually get them over to the podcast now? So this is the the full-length landing page. I know it's hard to see. Again, you can get the slides here at the the end. Um, But right at the top, I have a video of me where I really try to invite them to click. If this was a GIF, you would see this is an embedded loom, and so it has like a three-second loop, and at the beginning of the loop, I wave, and it grabs their attention, so I hope they click play. And inside that video, Quickly, early on, I say, by the way, you should listen to my podcast, Creative Elements. I've talked to Seth Godin, James Clear, Cody Sanchez, Tori Dunlap. I really think you would like this show. Uh, And it's the first thing they see after they subscribe. Down below that, I say, by the way, I really recommend, because people have different ways of learning and scanning and ingesting information, right? So down below that, I say, hey, I really recommend you subscribe to my podcast, Creative Elements, which you can now watch on YouTube. And now that we're on YouTube, this is very clickable, it's very quick to see, holy crap, Jay puts a lot of effort into production on this show in video, also audio, so it's a really nice quick preview. I didn't always have that, but the point is, even below that, you know, I'm, I'm saying here's the description of the show, here's why you should care. Every week I dive into the specifics of how the world's best creators uh, are building their audiences today. Not, worked, not what worked two, five, or 10 years ago. What is working today? Then again, below that, I have a link to say pick your preferred player here. I believe I use pod.link for that linked text so they can quickly choose their favorite player. And uh, the Spotify embed right below that, again, hopefully they hit play on the trailer and they say, yeah, this seems interesting. Then in email, they actually get an email from me immediately too, which is largely the same. It's, again, a linked, this is a GIF that you see, they see in their email where I wave. Uh, so they click that and it actually just takes them back to this page, if they click that, that video. But if not, uh, they're in the email, and again, below that, it says, hey, I recommend you check out my podcast, Creative Elements, here's the artwork. Uh, and then there's a button to say, if you wanna know where to start, because I found this to be a big point of friction too, if I have 115 episodes, where does somebody start if they're coming to my podcast for the first time? Do I go all the way back to episode one? I don't think enough podcasters think about that. Like, coming in cold, what do we do? So this is advice I got from uh, Jordan, Jordan Harbinger actually, was to create playlists. So I have 12 playlists on Spotify that I maintain. Every week I have a new episode come in, I add it to probably one of these, these playlists. And you'll see here I have a best of playlist, but then I also put things into categories. So I have Instagram creators, TikTok creators, YouTube creators, podcasters, course creators, authors. And so on this page, in this email, that button says, hey, check out our playlists, and it lets them quickly choose, you know, a list of what is most relevant for them. Here's what it looks like. Uh, I have a playlist page on the website. I use a tool called PodPage for my podcast website, and it's one of the best softwares I've ever used. Highly recommend podpage.com. Uh, or go to creativeelements.fm, click the link in the footer, and then I get an affiliate commission, just saying. But podpage.com is the best tool I've found for like automatically generating website pages for you. So I made a page for the playlist, and I embed each of the playlists here. I think you scroll down, see who's in it, click play. And I send two weekly emails to my email list. Um, on Tuesdays, I send an, epi- or, uh, an email about the episode that I just released because I release episodes on Tuesdays. So I'll have an episode about, or an email about that episode where again I embed the thumbnail of my podcast image. Uh, Didn't used to have that though, so what I did was I built this block, I designed this block in HTML. This is advanced stuff, but it's possible. I built this block to say, here's the headline, here's the guest I have, here's the subheadline of the episode, here's the artwork I made, here's the description of the episode, and here are the specific links to that episode that you can click right into these links and it will open up the episode on Spotify or on Apple Podcasts or on YouTube. This block shows up in both weekly emails. The podcast specific one and also the Sunday one that's just written for creators generally. That will be embedded there and people will see it. So start thinking about where else do you show up where do you show up on social media? Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, LinkedIn, Facebook. Where are you showing up? Where are you discoverable? So that people can use you as a through line to probably email is again what I would recommend. Um, think about your website. Think about search results. You know, How are people finding you in organic search and how can you make that journey very short then to your podcast? Uh, guest appearances. You know, When I go on shows, um, hopefully, in the introduction, the host says Jay's the host of Creative Elements and that's easy for them to start linking that. If it is in audio, I will say go search Creative Elements, subscribe, give it a listen, and that usually pr- works pretty well. But if you're a guest on some other medium that's not audio, it's really hard to move people straight to podcasting from there, uh, and I'm talking about even YouTube. So uh, typically, whenever I guest somewhere or show up somewhere, I try to move people to email. The goal here is, again, if you find me, you're gonna find my email list. If you find my email list, you're gonna find my podcast. I try to tie them very, very closely together. So, quick wrap up here, and I, I wanna have as much time for Q&A as we can, so feel free to think of some questions. Um, in conclusion, I really recommend you that you write an email newsletter. Even if it is uh, to support the podcast, make it podcast-inspired. You know, pull out some insight that came from the episode that you can write about, that you can riff on a little bit and say, by the way, this came from my conversation with Jeremy, and uh, if you wanna listen to the full episode, here's a link to do that. Use social media and anywhere that you show up as discovery for email then. Promote your podcast immediately when someone signs up for your email list so they get that first touch point. You know, it's not that everyone's gonna immediately subscribe and listen to it, but you know, we've probably heard that sales advice that it takes seven touch points for somebody to really listen and take action and adopt something. So, if you can get that first touch point as quickly as possible, so they see the name. So, you know, it could be days later, weeks later, months later, they hear the name of your show again and they say, oh, I've heard of that before. Yeah, you betcha. (laughs) Uh, Create playlists as a point of entry for new listeners. I really think this is great too. And uh, let me go back real quick to this, this design block I had. Another way that I utilize that, and it's hard to see in this image, below, at the bottom of this block, if someone just subscribed via email, I say, hey, are you new to the show? Start with a curated playlist. Beep, boop, beep. Okay, uh, and you don't have to do this alone. You know, find other podcasters that are trying to do the same type of thing, share knowledge, ask them what's working for you, show them what's working for you. You know, you wanna find a community of people, a collective group of people that are basically like sharing knowledge, that are open with telling you, here's how Discovery is working, here's what I tried. Um, And it would probably be private. You know, you probably wanna keep it within a small group of people. Uh, And that could be in person, it could be friends you meet here at Podcast Movement, it could be online. Um, We have a membership community called The Lab, where that's what I do. Basically, anything that I'm experimenting with, I share the results there. I encourage other members to share the results there. So if you want an online community, that's a great option for you. Okay, Uh, interested in taking any questions, Heather's got her hand up. Uh, (laughs) Because Heather knows me. Uh, And I will also say, again, if you want to get the slides, this is the link, jcloudscom slash pm22. That's where you can get all the slides I just covered, um, and this is anywhere that I exist that you can connect with me and probably sign up for my email list and uh, ask me any questions that you want. Thanks, Jay. I thought that was great. Um, so I have a link bio type thing. It's it's embedded in my website, so people are on my website. And hearing you say sign up for my email, like I hear that, and then there's this like fear of like, well, what if that's not what they want? What if they want to go to the podcast episode? So, okay, I'm absorbing that. I'm going to think about that. When they click on your newsletter, what is your welcome sequence like and how do you keep them in? Yeah, sure. So, uh, real quick on the link in bio thing. Um, I had the same feeling. I had the same tension. I looked at the analytics of the link in bio tool I was using. The most popular um, destination was the homepage of my website. Uh, second most popular was the subscribe page for my newsletter. So I said, okay, if 70 plus percent of the traffic is already going to a page to subscribe to the newsletter, let me just do that. Let me make it simpler. Let me make it so it's more likely that more people will just click in general. Um, Now again, everything that I do is an experiment. Uh, Everything I do is an experiment and like the the nature of the work that I do is that I want to share those results publicly. Um, So maybe I switch back. I don't know. It's it's a fairly new change, Uh, but I doubt it. So the, the welcome sequence, this is really interesting. I, I should talk about this too. One thing that I'm doing right now is saying, okay, what else can I do to make the email list more inviting and make it more likely that when you get an email from me that you're going to subscribe to the podcast? So something that I've invested pretty heavily in over the last couple months is developing a quiz. And that quiz is designed to give people a helpful guide and plan right off the bat. Because if you think about the idea of a creator, that's pretty broad. Am I talking about podcast creators? Am I helping newsletter creators, YouTubers, Instagrammers? I have content for all those people, especially with the podcast. But how do I identify what those people need? So the quiz is helping them learn, okay, here's what the next steps you should do to be successful as a creator. And within that, I'm learning a little bit about that person, mainly the platforms that they're active on. So my welcome sequence will be, the plan that I'm developing for them, so they get value right away. And in that plan, I embed case studies and stories from aspirational creators they've heard of, based on the platform they've told me. And then I recommend a podcast episode with that creator. Um, and then further down the line, I can actually, with uh, Liquid Templating and ConvertKit, also send them this, the right playlist. Instead of saying, check out our playlist, I say, they told me TikTok check out our TikTok playlist, uh, to make that friction even lower. Right now, the welcome sequence is pretty uh, light. It's, it's that email I showed you of, hey, welcome. Uh, if you're here, you'd probably like the podcast, and here's how to get started with the playlist. Uh, one thing I didn't make super obvious on that, maybe I can get back there. Well, I can visualize it for you. One thing I didn't make super obvious is, I also had a, an image of the show on YouTube to again show them that like, oh, this looks legitimate. This looks very polished. I should click play on that YouTube video. Um, and then the second email, I just ask them like, hey, if I were to dedicate an issue of this newsletter to a problem you're facing, what would it be? Because I want them to hit reply also. First, first email, I want them to take action and subscribe to the podcast. Second email, I want them to reply to my email because that builds a relationship with that person personally. It also builds a relationship with their inbox because they say, okay, this person replied to this email. I should probably route this over to primary because this is somebody they actually want to talk to. I just wanted to say congratulations. Thank big, you. Big thing, Memorial Day. Oh, the wedding? Yeah. Yeah, thank you. Congratulations. Recently that's, married. That's awesome. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I'm Bruce Smith. My podcast is The Essential Discourse Podcast. Uh, I have heard uh, throughout this conference, newsletter, newsletter, newsletter. Where do we get inspiration for making newsletters? Because what I don't want to do is type a whole bunch of stuff that people are going to look at and skim and scam if they do that, and then just go and do whatever they were going to do regardless. Yeah, I mean, if you're, if you're going to do an email strategy, you've got to care about writing an email that people want to read, right? Um, which seems hard until you do it. Like, it's, it's like anything else, it's a muscle. You know, you start to build a pattern. I mean, think, just think about your podcasts. If you're doing an interview show, there's a question that you chose to ask the guest in that interview. And so you probably had some reason for wanting to ask that question. It's probably trying to get some insight that you think your audience wants. So just take one question from your interview and say, hey, something that I think about a lot and I hear from a lot of my guests is they're wondering about this. So I brought in this guest who's a badass and I asked him this question. And here's a blurb of their response. And this is just one bit of a 60-minute interview that I did with this guest. You know, you could just do that formula every week. Um, I got all kinds of, like, little tips about email, too, that if, if you email me, I can, like point you in the right direction, because there's all kinds of things to consider when you're trying to do an email strategy well. Like, I obsess over having uh, a subject line that's probably about six words, so that the entire subject line is seen on a mobile phone when it's delivered and you get a post notification. Uh, It's important, there's all kinds of little tweaks you can do there, and that's kind of, you know, I, I have constrained resources like anybody else. Less constrained than they used to be, but they're still constrained. Everyone's resources are constrained, so I'm always looking, how do I get just a little bit more out of this? How do I just make this a little bit better, a little bit more effective? Because that compounds over time. And um, I think an email strategy is really smart because it also just diversifies you. It gives you another way to communicate with your podcast listeners. Even if, you know, they came in hot and heavy to your show, they, they listened for three months, they started to fade out because something happened in their life or they found some other show, that doesn't mean they don't care about you anymore. But they're not hearing from you now. So my whole approach as a creator is this multi-channel approach so wherever you're at i hope that we can continue this relationship in some way hey so i know this is a marketing track but i have a monetization question sure i love money so um work for a company that's email is a huge part of what we do we have a network um and we're building out a platform a podcast platform and my question to you is because I love your whole email strategy. It's kind of what we do already, and it's a huge way to monetize. Do you monetize through your email subscribers? And, oh, of course. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So, do you do you rent the list to like an appropriate advertiser, or how do you how do you monetize your subscribers? Two ways. Uh, recently, I did roll out a uh, advertising program. Um, ConvertKit put out, uh, they, they're doing a ConvertKit sponsor network now, and they had some early beta creators. They had like some certain threshold, like you needed 10,000 subscribers or more, but they exclusively handle my ad inventory now, similar to how my podcast network exclusively handles my podcast ads. Um, so I do advertising in that way, but I have my own digital products. I have the community I was showing you. So um, yeah, I monetize in lots of different ways. Sometimes I'll do one-off workshops, sometimes I'll do courses. It's not impossible that I would do a live event sometime. So yeah, that's, that's why I think that email strategy is so smart because over time, there's just so many ways that you can provide value over time, you can maintain the relationship, and there's more ways for you to capture that value because you actually know who you're communicating with. Hi, I'm Daniela, and I have two questions. Uh, The first one is Do you have any lead magnet or something like that? Or which is your promise to join the mailing list? Yeah. And if you can talk about lead magnets. And the second question is uh, Is your email focused on giving? content about the podcast? Or you're giving like some extra content like they don't find it in the podcast? Yeah, so, uh, okay, two questions there. Let me answer them both. So right now, the, the quiz that I was telling you about is going to be my biggest lead magnet. Uh, what I wanted to build first was a very specific value prop that even absent of a lead magnet, oh man, I really underestimated how many slides to go back. Oh goodness, sorry, I think there's like three more. So I wanted to make this clear enough and interesting enough that I wouldn't necessarily need a lead magnet, but lead magnets are a great idea. There's an article on this website called Lead Magnets at Work. I think they break down into five categories. So I really recommend it. The one I'm choosing is a quiz. Um, I expect that it will do much better than no lead magnet for sure. Um, Now you asked about the emails that I send. So I send two a week. The Tuesday one is podcast-inspired and podcast-specific, and the Sunday one is more editorial from me because what I try to do in the creator science newsletter is similar to what I'm doing here right now, but in text, just to say, like, hey, this is an experiment I ran, and here's what I learned from it, Uh, from both my experience and then tying together the trends that I see across different creators through the podcast to say, like, hey, it seems like. This type of thing is really working on LinkedIn right now because we talked about it with Justin Welsh two weeks ago. We talked about it with Austin Belsack this week. Here's something you should be thinking about. Uh, and then that Sunday editorial email, it's fairly modular where I'll have the editorial essay up top, then I'll have a sponsor block, then I'll have the podcast player widget that I showed you there, and then a sign-off. Have a couple of Hi, my name is Anita. Quick question, so what platforms you, would you recommend for people getting started, whether it's something uh, beginner-friendly versus somebody who can do a little bit more HTML? I know you mentioned that earlier, but which ones would you recommend? Uh, platforms for what? Newsletters, like building newsletters yeah, sure. on there, yeah. Um, I would, I, I'm a ConvertKit user, so I'm slightly biased towards ConvertKit, but as you can probably guess, I did my research. Uh, and I thought ConvertKit was great. If you're starting today, uh, one other tool I would consider is a tool called Beehive. It's B-E-E-H-I-I-V. Um, now, the, the distinction I would make is Beehive more closely rem- resembles Substack, where it's it's kind of like relevant, timely, we're going to email you pretty frequently, but you're probably not going to reference that email again in the future, uh, whereas ConvertKit serves me more as like a blogger almost, where I'm... I'm writing more editorially, I'm writing pieces that I think can be referenced. Um, what I don't know about Beehive is their set of automations. The reason I love ConvertKit is because it's accessible for a beginner, but as you get more advanced, their their tool stack supports it. Like, you can you can just do anything that you want in there. You just got to figure out how. So, I started on MailChimp, and I ran into some big pain points, and ConvertKit was just a game changer. Their, their sequences, their automations, their segmenting, it was just like nothing else. Um, I'm going to focus on the uh, title of this session, having mentioned Twitter in it. When you showed the block that you can put in there, courtesy of Review, I just want to be clear. Is that, quote unquote, all you're doing with Twitter to get email subscribers? Is there something you were doing before Review came on board with them? Is there something that you're still doing in addition to that Review block? Just Talk about Twitter specifically. Yeah, I mean, well, I'm, I'm publishing on Twitter. Like, I'm right. I'm posting tweets. Uh, I don't write that many threads. Threads would probably move the needle more quickly based on what I'm seeing. Uh, I'm just not doing it. Um, and it's mostly due to, like, an energy thing. I, I struggle to make myself do it. But if you write really good threads on Twitter, it's gonna drive more people to your profile. They're gonna go there. So the game is, like, I have to get people to go to my profile to click the review thing, and that's coming from either publishing high-quality tweets and threads myself, or being um, uh, an interesting, additive person in the replies to other people. Hi. First of all, thank you for being here today and sharing this information thank with us. Thank you for being here. It's awesome. Um, my name is Andrea. I'm a heart failure survivor, and I'm starting a podcast that supports people with heart disease. And so, my question for you is: Do you have any tips that specifically works well with seniors? With seniors. Mm-hmm. In technology. Yeah. Um, I think email is good for seniors. Uh, I don't know about YouTube. so And I think podcasting is open. But um, yeah, I, th- I think podcasting is good. I think email definitely works. And if you were going to build like a community to communicate outside of this, it's probably not going to be social media unless it's Facebook. Um, that's pretty much it. I mean, I th- I think you got to be pretty pretty direct, um, and I wouldn't I just wouldn't complicate things too much. You know, I think I think they they would love getting email, reading email. If you give them an, if it makes sense for the next step to be listen to a full podcast episode, I don't think you have any problem. Hi, can you talk a little bit more? I know you just started to address Twitter and like what you're doing there, like on all these different outposts on social, how you're differentiating what type of content that you're tailoring, that you're already creating or repurposing to all those different channels to kind of get them to your profile. Yeah, I mean it's gotta be pretty native, right? And you know, there, there are some people who aren't, they don't discriminate across the types of content they'll make, and they'll be like, oh, giveaways were working. Let me do a giveaway. Or let me do like a morning routine video. And if you're not creating content with your end consumer in mind, you'll end up attracting attention from people who aren't a good fit for your stuff. And they actually bring you down because they may be some of the first people that a, a social media agor- algorithm shows your post to, and if they don't engage with it, it's dead in the water. So you really want to be super curated about the people who are reading your stuff. So whatever you're writing needs to be native to that platform, meaning like you don't go on TikTok, make the TikTok, download it with the watermark, and put that on Instagram. Um, it needs to be native to the platform, including, you know, it's better to upload video natively to platforms than post a YouTube link. Um, and it needs to be directed towards that audience. So I know those are just like big macro things, but it really drives everything is, does this does this post on Twitter feel like it belongs on Twitter? Uh, I see a lot of people using Twitter as if it's still 2012 and like every second word is a hashtag and then they link something and it's like, oh my gosh, this is, this is dead. This isn't gonna go anywhere, this is bad. Uh, so you need to be kind of a student of these platforms and honestly, do like I did with starting with Twitter, don't try to have output on all these platforms. Like It's better to crush one and drive a bunch of people there. I have the, the blessing and the curse that because I'm trying to serve a lot of different creators, I'm just experimenting all over everything. Uh, but you shouldn't be like me. You should, you should say like, Twitter's my place. And maybe once you master Twitter, you can say, well, that was pretty good. Uh, LinkedIn is similar. I'll start putting some of that stuff on LinkedIn. But if you are a writer and you don't like being on camera, don't try TikTok, don't try Instagram, don't try YouTube, it's not worth your time. Um, So yeah, I I would focus on one that you feel energy around because this is a long game and it's unsustainable to do things that you aren't interested in doing. Anyone else? All right, I might be over time. Um, Again, that's where you can get the slides. Feel free to do that. Uh, I'll be up here afterwards. Come say hi if you want to, but thank you for coming to my session.